I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is it, bro. Here we go. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Live from The Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Bucks over Chiefs. Just up the road here in SoFi. That's my pick for Super Bowl 56. Earlier on the show, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, Georgia defensive lineman Jordan Davis, basketball Hall of Famer Shaquille O'Neal. You forgot, a.k.a. the black Rich Eisen. Still to come, actor Malcolm McDowell. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Our number three of the Rich Eisen show is on the air. Cannot wait to talk to the actor Malcolm McDowell. Many uh, of a certain generation know him as Terrence from Entourage. You also know him <laughs> from some of his work on with Star Trek Generations. And we, however, in this studio of a certain age... Uh, know and remember him from A Clockwork Orange and Stanley Kubrick's remarkable film um, adaptation of the Anthony Burgess novel um, back in 1971 is coming out in 4K. And Malcolm McDowell is going to call talk about this. We got a great celebrity true or false set up for him, and it's going to be dynamite. Fans of Kubrick, fans of this movie, don't you dare move. And if not, we'll, uh, we'll teach you a thing or two. Um, we've already talked to Shaquille O'Neal. We've already talked to Ian Rappaport. We've already given out our first ever name, image, and likeness deal with our friends at Gorilla Glue, the Rich Eisen Show Gorilla Glue, toughest player on planet Earth, is first ever, is Jordan Davis of the University of Georgia. I had a great chat with him. My favorite part of our conversation, as he mentioned, it's his first ever NIL deal, which is great. That's the idea of this whole award, um, is that uh, he wears number 99 because in high school, he received that jersey because it was the largest one that they had. And he's just kept it. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Now he's clogging up the middle for the number two ranked team in the nation. Ooh. Great chat with him. So uh, all fun stuff. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Okay. Um, we've been giving previews daily of every single Division in the NFL. Tomorrow we finish it up because we've been doing it since last Monday. All five. We did five last week. We did two already this week, mm-hmm. including what we're about to do now. And then tomorrow we finish up with the NFC South. Why? Because they're raising a banner in Tampa, Florida tomorrow. Cannot wait. In advance, the NFC West. Let's talk about the NFC West. Let's preview the NFC West. It is, as I continue to say, the deepest end of of the NFL pool. Doesn't get a lot of attention because we're out in the West. All of us out here in the Western time zone, we're three hours behind everybody. We're supposedly more laid back, even though a lot of people have seemed much angrier around these parts <laughs> these days. And it's amazing. Les Need tells me all the time that when he got the job as the GM of the Rams, when they were in St. Louis at the time, 
people were like congratulating him on his job and also said, great spot for you to land in because it's the simplest division, easiest division in the NFL. And he laughs all the time because how deep is this pool? It is the, it is the toughest division in the NFL. All four teams, you can make a terrific case, are going to win this division. And Russ was cooking last year, and Seattle looked terrific up to a certain point. And obviously, as we know, that certain point wound up being a loss in the playoffs. And San Francisco was your defending NFC champs, and a lot of people thought they had a great shot, and then the season began, and did they just get bit by the injury bug? Like, everything that could take a team down took down San Francisco, which shared a home with Arizona towards the end of the season. In Arizona, Kyler Murray looked like an MVP candidate, and then the Hale Murray happened, and after that, their next step was off a cliff. And the number of times that Cliff was named Kingsbury, along with the rest of that team that could not execute in the fourth quarter, it was maddening. And they're better with A.J. Green on offense and J.J. Watt on defense. But the number one addition in this division landed in Los Angeles. And I am of the belief that this team that drafts terrifically well and has two of the best defensive players in the game, one on the back end, one on the front end. Aaron Donald on the front end, Jalen Ramsey on the back end. And offensively, man, I wish Cam Akers was healthy. But offensively, what Matthew Stafford is going to do here in Los Angeles, many people are sleeping on because they can't look past the fact he was a Detroit Lion and never proved to be that culture changer in the win column for the Detroit Lions, even with a first ballot Hall of Famer out wide for him for much of that time at Calvin Johnson. Same guy, different place, different coach. Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford together, to me, is the difference maker. Because the 49ers quarterback position right now, to me, isn't as solid. It isn't. And offensively, the 49ers have a terrific coach as well. And I do love Trey Lance. I assume he's going to get in eventually. And I think because Bosa's back and that roster is so very deep... I like the 49ers to finish second, and I like the Seahawks to finish third, and I think all three of those teams can make the playoffs, and even crazier, even nuttier, based on how poor the NFC East was last year, and based on the fact that I think the Packers are clearing away the best team in the NFC North this year, and I look at the rest of the NFC South, and I'm wondering who is going to maybe challenge the Bucks with three wildcard teams. Will we ever see every team in a division making the playoffs? Maybe so. If so, this is the division and this is the year. Rams, Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals. Brockman, I give the floor to you. I don't know if the math adds up on with that, Rich, in terms of the three teams and one division making the wild card, but I like where your head's at. Well, because they would beat each other up and invariably not have a good enough record right. in order to yeah, they would have need... the three best teams outside yeah. of their division leader. I don't know. It's worth looking into. I, I, I'm with you with the Rams. I think they're going to be awesome this year. I think Stafford is going to be an MVP top candidate come year end. I think San Francisco is going to be awesome. I think what we're going to see from them on offense this year, 
at the we're just going to be like wow like Kyle Shanahan probably is going to be coach of the year in my opinion they're going to run all over teams this year it's going to be awesome and then every year there's a handful of playoff teams that don't make it the next year and they take a big step backwards we saw that San Francisco was in the Super Bowl and then they were terrible last year injuries led to that but it happens I just don't love Seattle this year I don't know why their projected win totals so high I'm just not feeling them, and I'm also not feeling uh, Cliff Kingsbury on the hot seat. So I want him to still be the coach down there because I like what he's building with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and that group that they've got there, J.J. Watt in addition. So I just like Arizona to kind of take a step forward and be a good team and win nine or ten games, and I'm just not feeling it from Seattle, so that's why I have them flip-flopped from your list. T.J., what do you have over there? Rich, you and I are pretty... On par here, we have the same anchors, just our middles are a little different. Tough division. I really had a hard time with this, but I'm I'm going with the Rams to win, just like you. I've got the wow. Seahawks coming in second. I think I like the Seahawks, obviously, a little bit more than Chris. The 49ers, I felt bad putting them at three. That defense is so hard. and But like you said, quarterback, a little bit of an issue, maybe? Yeah. I, this was tough, but this is what I'm going with. Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, Cardinals, but... We got three Rams here, and I imagine you you make it four since I'm ditto the season ticket holder. Same thing, TJ. Same thing you got. Yeah. Same. I don't know. The 49ers are going to be a much better team this year, and I think Lance they're going to be awesome. Lance is going to get in there and prove to be a very large problem, a very large problem. And I even think the Rams and, and Niners might even split their season series. Yeah. I I I just think, and that's the reason why I. I just threw it out there because I think these three teams are playoff worthy. Mm. They really are, you know. And I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, it came down to it where either the Rams or the Cardinals could make the playoffs, but not both. Unless the Bears had lost. That's entirely possible. I'm trying to remember it because Seattle made it. Niners are way the hell out, though. They almost had three teams in last year. Man, it's just such a tough tough division mm-hmm. and i cannot wait they're gonna beat each other up to see them play each other yeah you know let me take a look at that just in case i'm i'm missing anything for you know the rams play the seahawks on a thursday night at seattle mm. they play the niners on a monday night on november 15th and they play the boy all three of their division games on the road are are nationally televised how about that at Seattle, week five on a Thursday night, short game, short week game. Those are always nuts. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that where 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 uh, Zerline missed a field goal with, at the at the mm-hmm. at the buzzer at the final gun at San Francisco on a Monday night, November fifteenth. That's um, that's week ten, and then week 12, fourteen at Arizona on a Monday night. How about that? How about the Niners have only two nationally televised games right now, it seems? It looks like it. Nope, they got an NBC game against the Colts and the Packers. My bad. It's just a different delineation here as I'm talking out loud looking at this stuff. I'm it's going to be an awesome at, division, man. I'm looking at, the, awesome. I'm looking at the, the, the schedules to start, too. The Niners start with two on the road at the Lions, at the Eagles. I wonder if they're going to stay out east unless they come back. And the Packers and the Seahawks. You better start fast, man. This division is incredible. Yeah. It's my favorite division in the NFL. 
every Niner fan that's like, what are you thinking? You all think that the Rams are going to finish? We beat them all the time. I get it. Totally understand you. Totally hear you. Totally figure out. I remember our first Thursday, the first game between Shanahan and, wasn't it right? Was it the first game between Shanahan and uh, McVay when they were both in their positions? We went there on a Thursday night. Both teams were not very good yet. And that final score was like 48 oh, yeah. to 42 or something like that. Game. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, we were there. Yeah, and we were yeah, looking we were at each there. other. We were on the – because we, you know, we did the show from up there. That's right. And we looked at each other because I was doing Thursday Night Football mm-hmm. then. We looked at each other like this matchup is going to be insane for years to come. Insane. And you could make the case that both teams now are full, full yeah, ready yeah, to go. I just think Matt Stafford Stafford's coming a difference over maker. is just like such a huge difference. And I, the same way that we had, we had two guests on yesterday saying the Browns have the best team in the AFC North, but they're the Browns. I, I just can't get past it. Well, it's time to get past it. It's time to get past it. And the same thing out here too with Stafford coming here. There's, I, I knew it felt different. I knew hearing from the Rams people that how ecstatic they were talking about Stafford arriving here and that, the way that he throws the ball is a much better fit than than previous. And the ultimate check mark on the acquisition of Stafford by the Rams came from what was that? Was that a ringer piece or when it was revealed that Kyle Shanahan was grinding tape Trying on to, Stafford yeah, and he yeah. found out the Rams got him and he's just like, what? That was a podcast that the Ringer did. That's right. Yeah, which, with with, uh, Mc, with McVeigh, right? McVeigh and Peter Schrager. Also, guys, if, I heard that. I'm like, that's it. If Matt Stafford's wife doesn't say, "Hey, let's just take a trip," and they go take <laughs> that vacation, <laughs> yeah, and then he hits up Whitworth, and then that ball gets rolling, is even ended yeah, up with I, the Rams. I, I think Kevin Clark was telling us that story, right? Yeah. Oh no, it was Wickersham. Pardon me. It was Seth Wickersham was telling us that story, but the, he was telling us the story that that Stafford. He'd already made the decision to get out. He mm-hmm. was gone, obviously, and he told the the Lions, "I'm out." And once you tell, once that happens, is I, I don't think you really need to be on the same vacation in the same city in the same town. Obviously, that that does help that you're sitting there. But you know, when it all comes down to it, the minute there's blood in the NFL waters, the minute it comes out that somebody's walked into a door to the ownership and said, "I want out," and they're like now putting it out there, who wants them? Yeah. The Rams gave up all of their picks and their quarterback. Matt Stafford is so unappreciated. By age 32, he has better numbers than Drew Brees at age 32. Just think about all that. The hype is so big, and yet so many people do not believe it. I've never seen anybody more hyped with more disbelief coming into a season than than what I'm seeing right here with Stafford. But I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I think the Rams win this division. And I'll be there Sunday night, SoFi. You'll be there, right? We'll be there. You'll be there, Mike? Yeah, a little late. But What do you mean hopefully. you'll be a little late? Because I got to work at Fox till like 4.30. Oh, you're never, then you're, you better. I'll be fine. You better gotta, pack a dinner. Got a you got to pack a dinner. Yeah, right in. I'll see, right in. Right in. I got a, I got a couple connections, Rich, you know okay. me. Come on. You'll miss like half the first quarter. Like airspace? Because that's the way I'm told about trying to get there. They kind of worked out a little of those couple. Okay, of I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I'll be there early. Let's take a break. So we're 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 on time for our next guest, Malcolm McDowell 
um, who is calling in to talk about his brilliant portrayal of um, Alex and the rest of his fellow Droogies in A Clockwork Orange. I cannot wait for this conversation. One of my favorite movies and favorite actors coming up next. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How old were you when you were in Full Metal Jacket? I was 24. What in the world was it like being directed by Stanley Kubrick. It was amazing. Vincent D'Onofrio. It was amazing. You got a good story, something specific? I, I do. Please. He never spoke about uh, directing, how he was going to direct. He never talked about character. He mm -hmm. never talked about script. He never talked about performance. Nothing. He would just say, what are you going to do? Show me what you're going to do. And Matthew and I would just show him, and he'd say, oh, it's got to be better than that. You got to think of something better than that. So we'd go back and we'd think of something better, or it's got to be faster or slower or do this, move over there instead of over there. That's how he directed. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the night before I did the big scene where I shoot the sergeant and shoot myself, he, I, we're leaving and we all had our cars to go to. And as we're walking, he's behind me and I can feel him behind me. And he had this kind of thing, this kind of tick where he would go <clears throat> before he started to talk. Every time. Stanley Cooper. Every time. <clears throat> like that, all the time. <laughs> so I hear that and I say, oh, he's going to say something to me. And he said, and I turn to him and he says, um, do you know what you're going to do tomorrow? And I'm like, I, I think I do. Yes, I do. And uh, he goes, okay. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And he says, um, it has to be big. It has to be like Lon Chaney big. And I'm like, okay. Good. And it was like, 
It was like Christmas, like when you're little. I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because as he's saying that to me, I'm thinking about my flat in London and I have about 30 monster movies, VHSs, that I've already rented and bought and have been watching. And most of them were Lon Chaney and I'd been studying for that scene. No kidding. And it was like, God came down and gave me the biggest Christmas gift ever. And so I called, I, I, you know, I called my best friend and I mm -hmm. said, dude, you know, I'm so ready for this scene. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I went in there and uh, we did three takes and we were done. Three takes. Three takes. That's and the, and the special effect. Yeah. But it, it, it was like, there's two moments like that in my whole career that, that have been that in sync by accident, just by luck. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's, and that's one of them. You got to go to our YouTube page for the full interview right there because he then proceeds to tell an incredible story about how somebody on the set, an extra, actually was somewhat insubordinate to mm -hmm. Stanley Kubrick and his response to it was remarkable. That's on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on our program. Um, so we're back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Malcolm McDowell will be calling in shortly right here to talk about A Clockwork Orange. We're excited to have the actor of one of my favorite movies. They just don't... you imagine if they made a movie like A Clockwork Orange today? I, I just don't know. They, You know, they... I, I know I sound like my dad when I say they don't make movies like that anymore, but they really do not make movies like that anymore. No. I mean, Tarantino does, right? Fincher does. Christopher Nolan... Yeah, makes movies, but they're also he a, makes a it different, in a different, unique right, way that correct. we don't really see. Right. Scorsese is my guy. Like if Kubrick was in a restaurant, I would have stopped him to take a picture of him <laughs> <laughs> or with him. But I don't think he would have suffered any of those. Would he, when I said earlier that Clockwork Orange could be one of his greats, you started shaking your head at me like I was some guy who you don't respect his uh, no, 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 his no. audio appear his audio work like that. Uh, the your, Jeff, your Jeff Walker guy. No, you no, no. That I'm, a, I'm a Full Metal Jacket guy. Like that's Kubrick's best. I liked his Space best. Odyssey, and then. Full metal like 2001 a space boom. odyssey is, is, refer is, is, is referred to his opus because it's so game-changing in terms of the way people made movies i would be tough to pick out of those two that would be three and the shining pete like Sh stephen king I mean, diehards don't like it because he changed the, yeah. he changed so much about it mm. but and but a clockwork orange oh, is, it was amazing i mean it's an amazing i mean came out um in 1971 you know, such a great film. Did we get any blowback of any fan, any fans of the Seahawks or any fans of the Niners that are upset with our <laughs> our sweep of the Los Angeles Rams? Chris? Not not yet. I'm sure when it gets posted and yeah, hashtag Seahawks, it'll be out there. We'll get some blowback, right? But so yeah, SoFi is going to be lit on Sunday night. It's going to be. Oh, I crazy. have not. I have not told you, but um, I have been. Um, asked by the Rams to MC nice. um, a seven to ten minute long ceremony prior to the game on oh. Sunday night, ah, nice. honoring the people who worked to build the stadium and who are there locally who work around the stadium. And 
That's awesome. And nice. So I'll be there. Nice. With the kids. And, all right. and yeah, we're all, all coming. Be there. We're all going to be there. TJ, you got to get a ticket. I'm taking Adam in the back. Are you He's really? My plus one. Well, yeah, he's a Chicago fan. Oh, he's gonna love man. it. That's me. I mean, where my seat, he's gonna have a blast. That's He'll be there before the me. Whole, I mean, my gosh, he's gonna love it. Adam Mike has really good seats. Yeah, Is that right? Where are your seats? Like thirty second row, thirty thirty five. Yeah, he's really low. I'm low. Which is like below sea level. Oh, Again, yeah, this low. stadium. When people if will see it. Oh yeah. It's right in the you know in the line of airplanes that land at at LAX, mm-hmm. and um, so it's in the airspace. So they yeah, couldn't so they build it. it very high because planes were landing. Yeah. So they went the other way. They dug deep into the ground, oh, 150 yeah. feet. I, think, I mean, I feel like. more than that. I mean, I mean, when we did the schedule release show to get to where you like to where you the to trucks go right were, down. I was I think four floors down, like four stories. The playing field is at 100 feet below ground level. Yeah. Okay. So it's 20, yeah, so there's all that below that. 20, 25. That's right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Wait till you see it on TV it's, Sunday night. It blows. It blo- and it, the fans. It's, it is so amazing. amazing. And it's like wearing VR goggles. It really is. It, you feel like you're not where you really are, and there's a totally different way of taking in a game. It really feels that different. But that's on Sunday night. Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange is going to be released on 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray and digital on September 21st. A brilliant movie. And the actor who was the star of that film when it came out in 1971 is kind enough to call into the show to talk about it in advance of this 4K release. Terrific in this film. One of my favorites. The actor Malcolm McDowell here on The Rich Eisen Show. How are you, sir? Very well, Rich. How's it going? Better for talking to you. A huge fan of yours and this film. And uh, yeah. ha- have you seen it in the 4K Ultra? Had you have you been able to see it? And is there anything different no. about it? Have you seen I have, it? Again? I haven't. No, I don't. I, there's nothing different with the cut or right. anything. It's the same movie. Um, I, I can't believe that uh, even if it's in 4K, then it's any better than it was when it first came out because Kubrick was such a stickler for the you know technicalities of the film it would have been perfect but um you know i love 4k it's great isn't it I, especially when you're watching football from england uh-huh. 4K, you, <laughs> yes <laughs> you feel like you're there you know so i'd be very interested to see what it's like i'm sure it's absolutely amazing you know what was it like um for you to be directed by stanley kubrick Back in your day, Malcolm. Oh God, that, that's such a an open-ended question. You know, um, uh, Stanley. You know, didn't do much directing on the set. It, it's really interesting. Um, I'd be hard put, you know, to think of a time. Well, the only time he actually gave me any direction was um, coming through a door. I came through the door, and he goes. Mm, can you be, you know, can something be happening? I went, like what? Coming through the door? <laughs> he goes, yeah. Why don't you think of um, Dave Prowse? Dave Prowse was Mr. Universe. Ha- uh, think of him making love to Milena Cananero, who was like a f- little tiny stick. 
And of course, when I opened the door, I had a eating grin on my face. <laughs> uh, that was the best piece of direction he gave me. It's actually the only piece of direction that I remember. Because, you know, Stanley was, um, you know, he did all the work with you or with me. Before we started the film, there was like six to eight months of preparation and uh, finding locations and costuming and all the whole rigmarole that goes on. And I was out of this house, you know, two or three times a week going through stuff with him and having lunches and dinners and all the rest of it. And that's where he really, I think, kind of gauged, you know, what I was like, whether he could trust me and all the rest of it. And um, the actual person that helped me the most mm -hmm. in the role was actually not Stanley Kubrick, but another director who was a great friend and a man I love dearly called Lindsay Anderson, who I'd done my first movie, If, with. Mm -hmm. And If is the movie that Stanley saw and cast me. Uh, so I did no auditions or anything. My audition was If, this movie, which is a brilliant movie. And uh, I asked Lindsay if he would mind reading the script. Of course, he groaned at having to read somebody else's script. Mm -hmm. you know? um, anyway, he did read it, and uh, I went round to see him. And the first thing he said when I came into his flat was, thank God I don't have to make this film. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which, which, which kind of made my heart sink. And I said, well, it's not your kind of material. You couldn't make this film. This is, you know, this is going to be, um, you know, commercial film. You know, uh, because I knew that would irritate him a bit because, <clears throat> of course, he'd love to make a commercial movie, you know. And he'd made enough of the art stuff. And um, anyway, I said, look, can you give me any help at all on this? Because he goes, yes, there is a close-up of you in if. When you open the gymnasium doors to look at the prefects to be beaten, you look at them and you smile. That's how you play this part. Because went, you, need to, oh. you need to have some sort of psychosis that you're enjoying the violence, right? Like that's no, no, that's no. not it. What is it then? No, no, it's just a question of style. It's just a question, it's not him smiling at the fact that he's beating and raping and stuff, which is part of it, of course, but mm -hmm. it's really a matter of attitude. You can have that smile on your face, like it's a real, like, screw you kind of smile. Uh, yeah, but not necessarily when he's, you know, when there's violence involved. It's, in fact, the first scene was uh, me taking off my pajamas and rolling over, showing the doctor my bare ass, and she sticks uh, a hypodermic needle in me and uh, gives me a shot. That was my first film, the, the first shooting I did on the movie. And, um, and you know... Um, of course, Stanley, because it was my first shot, said, you know, I'm not going to use a retractable needle. I, I want you to... I went, what? <laughs> you, you want me to take a shot? I said, what's the shot going to be? He goes, well, it's distilled water. I said, well, does Madge know? That was the actress. Mm -hmm. He goes, yeah, she's practicing now. 
And I went, Stanley? I mean, she's got all this dialogue, and you're expecting her to give me a shot as a doctor. I mean, that's asking a lot. <laughs> Knowing I did not want to do it. You yes. Know? But, but it was my first shot, so what am I going to say? I'm not going to say no. And, of course, um, I look at her, and I see uh, she's uh, sweating on the top of on her top lip. That's not a good sign. <laughs> That's not a good sign. I'd agree. I can see her with the needle, and I can see she's already shaking. And so she goes, uh, now I'm giving, and she has quite a lot of dialogue, you know. Um, and she's asking me how I feel. Uh, and I go, well, I, what about these videos? I mean, I started to feel sick. I mean, what? And she goes, this shot will help you now turn over and i kind of do a little thing with the <clears throat> with the band of the pajama mm -hmm. you know and and then turn over and l she literally threw that her hypodermic needle into me like it was going into a rhino <laughs> it went up to the hilt because i think she'd been told don't baby it you got to get it in yeah. fast and clean. Well, she got it in, and it went up to the hilt, and I gave her, but I remembered Lindsay's advice. You smile. I had this pleasing grin on my face, and then she just wanted to get the damn thing over with and started to pump this thing so fast <laughs> that this water had nowhere to go, and I leapt I mean, 10 feet in the air, Michael Jordan would have been proud of me. Yes, sir. I mean, vertical takeoff, it hurt so much. It was like a huge cramping. It took like an hour to disperse this bubble in my ass. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, then, but I mean, my, you know, this is, this is the sort of <laughs> thoughts that, that you would have sitting here as a, as a, a fan of the film that Kubrick wanted to make sure that everything was as real as possible. I've got Malcolm McDowell here on the Rich Eisen show. What about the scene where you are um, having your eyes kept open by mm -hmm. a clamp, a surgical device that was used for eye surgery? That was the real deal. Did yeah. you, did you get, uh, what was that like for you as the actor, uh, Malcolm McDowell? Well, with Kubrick? how would it be for you? It would be dreadful. It would be positively well, that's exactly dreadful. what it was. <laughs> There's no way around it. It was horrible, but, you know, um, oh, he had a doctor there to persuade me that it was going to be fine. And the doctor was a nice guy and uh, said, oh, yes, well, you won't feel anything because you're going to be anesthetized. And I went, ah, okay. So, and how long will that last? Oh, yeah. But every, you know, 10, 15 seconds, I have to put artificial tears in your eyes because otherwise they'll dry up because right. you're not blinking. I went, oh, Doc, you won't forget that. He goes, no, no. But then, of course, Stanley gave the guy a line of dialogue. All he had to say was, how are you feeling, little Alex? And he kept saying, what's your name again? I went, Jesus, Doc, don't even say the line. Who cares? It'll be cut anyway. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, uh, of course, I'm tapping my foot, you know, right. with the, t the 15 seconds. I'm going, get it in, Doc. God, that's drying up here. Drying up. And um, 
And it's true. I did not feel it at the time. But these lidlocks, they're called, mm -hmm. um, were falling out of my eyes because, of course, they're used in delicate eye operations, but you're usually lying on your back. You're not sitting up watching right. videos. Oh. And, you know, they kept slipping out. And every time they fell out, they drag across my cornea. And uh, I got really messed up corneas. And it wasn't until I was driving into my street in London that the um, the pain, I cannot even describe it. It was so horrendous. Oh it drove gosh. me to the to the point of madness. I mean, literally slamming my head into the, you know, the wall. It was so painful. Luckily, my doctor lived around the corner. Uh-huh. And um, obviously, the, he knew it was serious, and he came running around with his bag, and he had some morphine in it and gave me a shot. And um, I was out for the night, and the next morning I woke up, you know, the eyes very, heals very quickly. I mean, it wasn't healed totally, but the pain had got completely gone, and the cuts had healed. Felt, it just felt like I had sand in the eyes, you know. Did Kubrick know this, that you needed this health Yeah, he knew it. Okay. He knew it. I mean, I told him. And he was like, uh, well, <laughs> well, this is his sense of humor. So when I got out of the thing, the doctor put a pad on one of my eyes because he obviously saw something. He didn't have his microscope or anything with him. Right. And uh, so Stanley came up, he looked, and he goes, oh, gee, well, can we shoot on this eye? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> now that, you know, was Stanley's sense of humor. And um, oh, I went, yeah, Stanley, we can shoot on this eye. You can destroy both and my sight, and then I'll sue you. <laughs> wow. Malcolm McDowell here on the Rich Eisen Show. I could literally talk to you for hours about this, but is it true you ad-libbed Singing, singing in the rain, while you conducted the mayhem in the film. Uh, that, yes. that that was your. Why'd you do that? Where'd you come up with that one? Malcolm? You know, um, well, in the scene, um, Alex is at his most euphoric, and uh, euphoria is, you know, com uh, is put in a beautiful box by Gene Kelly, and that movie, Singing in the Rain. And if you want to replicate euphoria, that's it. That's what Hollywood has given us. And it was so iconic and extraordinary and stayed with me. I saw it as a, a young man, maybe a child. And I, it was so extraordinary that... Um, so when I started, when he asked me if I could dance, and I, of course, I can't really dance, but I said, can I dance? I was so bored, right? sitting around for five days and doing nothing. And I launched into it, and on the beat would uh, be smacking and, you know, mm -hmm. doing all that uh, as a kind of joke. And I looked at Stanley. He was laughing so hard he had his handkerchief stuffed in his mouth. And he put me in his car. We drove back to his house because we were on location. And uh, he bought the rights singing in the rain and we came back and we shot the whole thing using that as the the basis of the scene 
So it was a so, choice by you, and you felt mm-hmm. the freedom to do it because Kubrick, because we, we had Vincent D'Onofrio, who was one of the stars of Full Metal Jacket on a couple of years ago, saying that he hardly ever got a direction from, from Kubrick. He would always say to him, like, what are you thinking? That would be essentially it. And so you felt the freedom to come up like, I'm going to do it this way. And he loved yeah. and he laughed. And no, that's, so- that's what he demands. That's what he wants. Uh, you're a collaborator. You're not just an actor. You're collaborating with him on it. And that, I said to him, ah, now I know why you love Peter so much, Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. Because he'd do all these funny voices and you get to choose. And he laughed. He said, you're so right. He goes, yeah, Peter was great at that. And, you know, Peter Sellers doing that whole thing as Dr. Strangelove in the wheelchair and the Nazi salute. That's, that was all a kind of gag, you know, a joke. And it, it was so extraordinary. But that's how great things in movies happen sometimes. They're not scripted. They're between. You know, it's a feeling that has to come out at some point. In a weird way, Stanley it didn't have to give me any direction. You know, he just, he just really supplied the, you know, atmosphere to do it. And, um, and that's all you need, really. So I guess my last question for you, Malcolm McDowell, is how'd you come out of this? Um, you know, you're, you're telling me about scratch corneas and, you know, uh, injections and things of that nature. And I imagine just uh, performing this and going through all this had to, you know, uh, y- you had to, to get into the role, had to leave mm. your, your own senses on occasion. I mean, how did shooting and filming A Clockwork yeah, but, Orange well, get Well, A, you? I'm not a method actor. So, I mean, I took the cod piece off at the end of the day and went for dinner. You huh. know, the, the, there was no question. Okay. Um, you know, it being a psychologically damaging, I mean, that's, a, that's bull****. I'm an actor, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I do. Um, and... Um, you know, the, don't forget, the shoot was, I think, sort of eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. And there's two or three instances of injury. That's it. So most of the time, of course, there was, it was just really, you know, trying to find, in every scene, trying to find the magic. And we used to, he and I used to laugh about it. And, I mean, there was one scene, he came to me and he goes, well, you know, that's it. I went, that's it. He goes, uh, I can't, I, I, I can't shoot that. That's, that's boring. And I went, Stanley, that's the way we're going to do it. No, come on. I mean, we got to do something. I went, no, 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 no. The audience need a, a moment to recoup. And, you know, this, the, the, and it was actually the, um, Alex's, um, entrance into prison. And we had a guy there was telling us, you know, as we had not been to prison, he was giving us all the insights yes. and what happens. Stand behind the white line and empty your pockets and all, all this kind of stuff. And I went, you know, I, no, Alex is going, now he's being caught. He's going to play the game, you know. And, and um, I, you know, it turned out, listen, very well. Well, I would remember that scene. It wasn't boring. I mean, you were told to pick things, something no. up and put it back down properly. You were being very, you know, uh, what you know, cocky about that. This was just an I, I'm 
I don't remember that being boring. Right. That was a terrific scene. No, I don't scene. think it was boring either. So we had a bit of a... <laughs> there we go. Said, well, why don't you get to look at it, look at it tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. Davies, and then you, right. we'll see. And I never heard another word about it. So <sighs> I knew it was fine. Well, I like I said, I could talk to you for hours about this sort of stuff and then obviously the rest of your career, but I guess... You know, this is a, a radio TV show with commercials, so I guess the phrase, we're, we're, we're victims <laughs> well, of the... it's been very nice talking to you, and I know that you generally do sports. I do, but, but I, um, I'd love to I talk to you about... I know you're a cinephile, and, and God time. bless you for it. Big time. I would. I've said that we're victims of the modern age right now, that we have to throw a commercial break. victims but... of the modern age, absolutely. <laughs> we're poor, poor boys. Yeah. I love the film. It's just truly one of my favorites, and let's get you back on. We'll talk about the rest of your career, whatever else you want to promote, and... Maybe a little bit of Liverpool, right? That's your club? Liverpool. Oh, now we're talking. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds sure. great. Okay. Malcolm, thanks, thanks for the time. You Very bet. Nice talking to you. Same to you. That's Malcolm McDowell right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's so many oh other scenes gosh. from that film we can <laughs> I mean, go into. I wanted to ask you before. Kubrick thought that, because again, he's arrested and he's cocky. He's cocky and he's going to jail. Mm. And... I can't believe Kubrick thought that was a little boring. (laughs) (laughs) What else can we do? But he's also like refusing to do, you know, he's being ordered to take stuff out of his pockets and he drops it. And I remember the British officer was like, pick it up and put it back down properly. I just remember, again, I've seen this movie too many times, certainly since it's very disturbing. It's amazing. He's amazing in it. And uh, 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray when the kids are asleep after September 21st when this comes out. Uh, I will watch I mean, it again when the kids are very asleep. Like that, not that they're like they'd have to be asleep for an hour before I had play on it. His first line, they can't, can't come out. out. His oh. first line, it can't get better than it already was, and that's the truth. What could you do? Tremendous. Love it. At Malcolm underscore McDowell to follow him. When we come back, some great stuff from the great Al Michaels to play us out here on this Wednesday before his big game tomorrow night. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There's somebody on Twitter, and it could be Bob. 
at real underscore Bob Costas. Then you read the Twitter bio and you begin to think something could be up because it says former NBC Sports broadcaster, 21-time Emmy Award winner, 11-time Olympic host, president and sole member of the BCFC Bob Costas Fan Club. <laughs> Doesn't sound like Bob. No. So I wanted to make sure that we're all buttoned up and inviting here on the Rich Eisen Show to discuss this very subject is none other than the real, actual 100% authentic Bob Costas. How are you, Bob? I'm good, Rich. Late last night and then again this morning when I woke up, <laughs> dozens of texts, some claiming it must be real, some saying this can't be true. Yes. And one said, this is the best indication that hell has frozen over <laughs> since the 04 Red Sox or the 2016 Cubs. But I am here to assure you and everybody else yes. that the fires of hell are still very much blazing because I am absolutely not on Twitter. They have taken the bogus account down. And I began thinking, you know, what would actually, what would I have to do before I ever deigned to be on Twitter? What? Like binge watch the real housewives of Orange County? <laughs> Make a return trip to Sochi just for the nostalgia of a pink eye episode? <laughs> Star in a school to basketball? Or... Or just for you, just for you, Rich. Yes, Bob. Make a special trip to the NFL Combine. <laughs> All those things will happen before I'm ever on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, a prequel to basketball would be pretty epic. Prequel. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I have to admit that. So the Zucker brothers asked me to do a sequel, especially with Al Michaels at my side. Yes. The basketball. It must it must be done. I All right, there you go. Right. Okay, so this is the real Bob Costas. We can okay. confirm oh, that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Twitter needs that. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, of all the things in the world. Uh, <laughs> I, so did you did you did you uh your son uh, tweeted it out that this is not you. When I saw the the first screen grab that that Keith sent to me, yes. One tip off should be: look, I'm a reasonably humble and self effacing guy. Yes. But would I knowingly shortchange myself seven Emmys? <laughs> the guy couldn't even get the number of Emmys right. Exactly. I said that. I said twenty one seems a little light. <laughs> Right? You gotta pull a scam. Get your ducks in a row. <laughs> that may be Costas's greatest appearance of all the many on this show. Oh my gosh! Back here on the Rich Eisen show. Okay, so my podcast about the origin stories of my guests called Just Getting Started is back. Juliana Margulies was the last interview I did on that podcast in June. We took a hiatus. It's back for season two, a special ten episode series. On the voices of the NFL, Al Michaels tells incredible stories about how he got started with ABC Sports, started calling bat, uh, baseball games in Hawaii, how he got his first job, period, how he got on Monday Night Football, and then this story about his favorite wide world of sports moment. So I get assigned to an event in Insel, West Germany. I, at that time, Germany was separated, and um, in the Bavarian Alps. And it's motorcycles on ice, which was a wide world of sports staple in those years. And so it was a quarter mile track, which was used for speed skating and for like regular track meets in the summertime. But in the wintertime, it's all iced over. And uh, 
you have a bunch of Eastern Europeans and uh, and Russians at that point, and Bulgarians and Romanians and it was these are the guys who were competing in this. No, no Westerners, and they would get on motorcycles on motorbikes and go around this quarter mile track, x number of laps, with a bunch of spikes coming out of the tires. And that's how they got the traction. And they did this in front of 10,000 wild and woolly Bavarians. And they would start it at about 8 o'clock at night. We were taping it in those years. and uh, But, but the, the, the tailgating would be starting at about <laughs> 3 o'clock. And the stops is flowing. I mean, it's just flowing. So it's one of the great stories of all time. So Jeff Mason sure. is the producer. who become a great friend. But, I, but uh, Jeff had a, you know, has had a fabulous career. He says, why don't we do something different for the scene set? Instead of you coming on in the yellow blazer, blah, 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 welcome to Inzel West Germany. What if you rode down the, the straightaway on the bike and then got off the bike, took your helmet off, and welcomed everybody? So I'm the new kid on the block. I'll do anything at that point. But Rich, I had never, a motorcycle, I'd, I'd barely been on a Schwinn with training wheels. But I'm saying, oh, fine, that's great. <laughs> So what they now they they got to put me in some leathers. So they find a Russian. So we go down to where they, they they're staging the bikes, and there's a Russian who's about five six and maybe 145 pounds. And at that point, I'm five ten and I probably weigh about 180. And I'm trying to get in to these leathers. So here I've never been on a bike. Now I'm going to be on a bike on ice with spikes. I'm like this. They put the helmet on my head. That barely fits. I'm squinched up. And now I've got to think about it. I'm going to ride down the thing and I'm going to do a scene set on top of it. So having not been on a, on a motorcycle, I don't know how, I don't know how it works. So I'm on the hand, I got the handlebars and I got everybody, like the Russians are talking to me. I got the guy from Czechoslovakia is over here, the Romanians. You know, I got 15 different languages coming at me at once. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm, I'm revving it up and I don't know what to do next. And I, I began to let the clutch, apparently. I didn't know what the hell the clutch was at that point. I'm ready to, and fortunately, a Russian rider grabbed my right hand and, you know, got, got the clutch back in. So it didn't. This, otherwise, I would, have been, I would have been launched up there with Yuri Gagarin into space at that point. What? <laughs> There's another two minutes about oh. what happened after that. Oh. And how bottles got thrown at Al Michaels, oh, and the yeah, fact that he escaped oh. unscathed is remarkable. Oh. And without that moment and that Russian grabbing the clutch, it might be somebody other than uh, Al and Chris <laughs> to win the game tomorrow night. Oh my God! Yeah. The whole stories are incredible, including how Tommy Lasorda and he once met back in the minor leagues in Hawaii. Hawaii. I mean, my gosh, his stories. It's where all podcasts are. Uh, Acquired the Cumulus Podcast Network, just getting started, launched today. I want to thank today's guests, Shaquille O'Neal and Ian Rappaport and Malcolm McDowell and the first ever toughest player on planet Earth. Yeah. Jordan Davis of yeah. Georgia. Enjoy the glue in a thousand bucks, young man. Uh, on tomorrow's show, Jeff Daniels, the actor Jeff Daniels, will join us and we'll get you ready for kickoff. Only one more sleep, as TJ <laughs> Jefferson said. Oh, man. Back on Peacock in a second. 